Awesome. Well, let's come around the Word of God. Come around, uh, pull out your uh, tell things technology, your Bibles. Uh, if you are new to City Point, it's awesome to have you in the house. If you're online, we're so incredibly uh, privileged that you are online and viewing. Uh, we are going to continue our series today called Healthy Relationships. Everybody say healthy relationships. That God wants healthy relationships in your world. That he wants not surviving, not just getting by, not just going from one friendship circle to another friendship circle, but a sense that you are thriving in your relationships. And today, I want to go into 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians 5. But it says this, Now may that God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now let's jump to Ephesians 5.27 in the Amplified. It says this, should be on the screen, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy, set apart for God, and blameless. Come on, I want to put the title of today's message on the screen, and I want you to say this with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. I declare I am whole, spirit, soul, and body. One more time. I declare I am whole, spirit, soul, and body. Father, we thank you for the transformation that is taking place in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the miracle breakthroughs that are taking place in our marriages, in our friendships, and Lord, everything that you've called us to put our hands to. Lord, we know if we need healthy relationships, it starts with a healthy me. So I pray, God, do a great and deeper work inside of me, in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said... Uh, going to my junior year of high school, I, uh, I, didn't, I, was, I was a broken person. You know, I, I, was, a, I was broken in my soul. I was broken uh, and lost and weak in my spirit. But what I did, all I did was all, what I knew to do. It was I threw everything into uh, uh, working out, everything into becoming the best, strongest football player I could possibly be. So I was literally in the gym two hours every morning, six days a week. Uh, after, after school, straight in the gym for another two hours. I'd go home and have dinner, straight into another workout. I thought, you know, if I could do three a days, it would just get me to where I wanted to be as a free safety uh, and as a halfback playing for Wheat Ridge football. And uh, I, I did everything I possibly could, but I was only pouring into one facet of who I am. I didn't realize that I was spirit, soul, and body. And we didn't realize that 1 Thessalonians 5.23, God, the God of peace is giving us a promise, a pledge that he wants you to live life whole, not just in one area of your life, but in spirit, soul, and body. That he wants to sanctify you completely. That he wants to do a deeper work inside of you, that uh, you are walking in the legacy that God has called you to. That you are walking in and such an influence that the generations to come will look upon the, your life and see the testament and the glory of God. See, God wants you whole, and today we're declaring that you are whole, spirit, soul, and body. So you've got to understand sanctification. We've talked about this. Sanctif to sanctify is the Greek word hagiazo, which is translated into four different English words. One is hallowed, holy, saint, and sanctified. The basic meaning is to set apart for God, to make a person or thing the opposite of common. So in other words, there's sanctification taking place in your life. Acts 13 says because of the blood of Jesus, we are positionally sanctified. So in Christ, you are positionally sanctified and set apart. The blood of Jesus has done it all. But while you're living this, in this life, on this earth, you are in a process of progressive sanctification, being changed into a 
his image every single day. And God wants to bring to your attention, put on the big movie screen of the lens of your heart today, saying to you, I want you to look into your life, and he wants to start to establish a greater sense of strength and a greater sense of wholeness in your spirit, soul, and body. Can I get an amen? Spirit, soul, and body. So in other words, spirit. We are spiritual beings in an earthly experience. That is what's taking place. We are spiritual beings. That is, this is the inner, the very depth, the very core of who we are. But we also have a soul. Soul is mind, will, and emotions, that mental state. In fact, in the Greek, the word soul is sukha. Sukha is the word soul, which comes from the root word psychology. So our soul is our personality. It's how we think, reason, consider, remember, wonder. We experience emotions like happiness, love, sorrow, anger, relief, and com- compassion. It's how we strategize. It's how we think. It's how we make decisions. It's the soul of our lives. And then obviously we have the body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are declaring wholeness over each area of our lives. And that's why Ephesians 5, 27, when the Holy Spirit brought to, to my attention, I thought this is amazing because God is coming back for a church that is gloriously in splendor without spot or wrinkle that he may, that is holy, that is a set apart from God. So in other words, there's no excuse. God is coming back for a church that does relationships really, really well. Why? Because you have taken the time for the Holy Spirit to transform you into his likeness that you can become like Jesus. Jesus and outwork what he has instructed us in every area of relationships in your life. Can I get an amen? You and I crave wholeness. You crave wholeness. Maybe you've been traumatized through experience in your life, but yet you still crave wholeness because as we are breathing air every single day, no matter what we've experienced, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's being traumatized, whether it's divorce, you see, you gotta understand, Jesus declared in John 10, 10, that I came to give life and life abundantly. And this, this is the journey that we're on, that the Holy Spirit wants to take your brokenness and turn it into wholeness, amen? He wants to take those things in your life life, and we have got to allow the Word of God to instruct us. See, everything that you're instructed to do in the Bible is intensely practical. And because it's intensely practical, what we do is we over-spiritualize it, that we put it so far out of reach, only the spiritual giants can accomplish what the Word of God has called us to do. You see, it's intensely practical. Don't over-spiritualize it. You can do because when God instructs, He gives you the ability to do that which He instructs you to do. He enables what He commands. He enables what he commands. So that alleviates any fleshly excuse that today I can become the child of God. Today I can be the son or daughter of God. Today I can get out of what I'm stuck in. Today I can break that habitual pattern of sin in my life. God wants to do it, but it comes down to this one word. It's a lifestyle of habits. Everybody say habits. A key word. You are your own habits. Habits matter more than you can imagine. We think about the habits, the financial habits we have. Why does the bank account get so low so quick? We think about our exercise habits, the habits of Starbucks and beautiful, glorious pumpkin spice lattes. But we think about these habits, and you've got to understand, your, the, your potential is a direct reflection of the quality of your habits. Let me put it this way. Your wholeness is a direct reflection of your obedience to the commands of God that demand habit. Let me say that again. Your wholeness is a direct reflection of your obedience to the commands of God that demand habit. You see, what you are 
is what you repeatedly do. And see, God instructs throughout the Word these habitual, obedient kingdom habits in our lives. Everything from take thoughts captive, it's a daily habit. Renew your mind, it's a daily habit. Rise up and pray, it's a daily habit. Meditate on the Word daily, a daily habit. Go and make disciples. He enables what He commands because He wants you to become the person capable to carry out all that He wants to do in and through your life. Amen? But we've got to cultivate this. This demands active participation. It demands intentionality on your part and my part that if we're to walk in wholeness so that we're not a church that is easily offended, that we're not a church that is easily judgmental, that we're not a church that is, that is caught in habitual sin and this guy's sleeping with this guy and this girl and, this, and all this stuff. No, that we are a church adhering to the word of God. And before we go any forward in, in seeing God cultivate strength in spirit, soul, and body, I want to I come against this. Before we go any further, God needs to remove sin out of the church. God has to remove sin out of the church. And when I say sin, yes, I'm not saying that we live perfectly every single day, but I'm saying that we are walking in such a way with the Holy Spirit that we are accountable, that we're living in the light. And guess what? What are those tiny, tiny compromises that God needs to get rid of, uh, get rid of out of your life? See, you want to be whole, spirit, soul, and body? Sin will not allow you that. Habitual sin will rob you. It will steal. It will kill. It will distort. It will defile. It will break down. It will zap you of the passion that you have for Jesus. My friend, church, today, you need to remove sin. You need to remove sin and uh, run to accountability. Get accountability partners that you trust and say, God, I want to expose this, and I want to move on in strength and might and power in Jesus' name. And everybody said... All right, in order to see wholeness in our spirit. So this is going to be exciting. So I'm going to talk about the first thing, spirit and soul. And then we're going to have Dr. Zach Almy come up and share the third point with us. So there's going to be a bit of a, a tag team happening. So you guys ready? All right, so first thing is wholeness in your spirit. Before I jump into this, this passage, Philippians 2, 12, 13, we won't put it on the screen. But in the Amplified Version, it says this very clearly. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. So what I'm about to talk to uh, you guys about, you may not be familiar with. You may be from a, a circle of, of church or Christianity that you've never really uh, researched this or studied this. You might be a Christian that you're still on a young, early journey, or you might be a, a Christian that says, hey, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't relate with those Pentecostals or those Charismatics, you know, those, the, the crazy ones. But uh, what I'm asking you to do today is, is approach right this now moment with childlike faith, with a sense of this is the Word of God. I'm speaking the Word of God, and go to the Word of God for yourself to see the truth and ask the Holy Spirit to, to allow you to, to, to see what I'm about to speak on uh, in absolute light of the truth of the gospel. Amen? So what I've seen to cultivate my spirit in the way uh, of, of strength and might and, and sustain uh, longevity and passion and, and to continue on with the endurance and the perseverance is this, cultivating a habit of praying in the Spirit. Cultivating a habit of praying in the Spirit. So if you don't know what praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues is, if you've never heard that, maybe you haven't attended a Pentecostal church or a church that preaches the, the undiluted Word of God, but, uh, you know, praying in the Spirit. When I w grew up with my mom, she would always you know, say these weird words, and I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? And it wasn't until my moments, you've heard my testimony in Mazatlan, Mexico, my junior year of high school, that uh, I was walking the beach praying, and the Holy Spirit baptized me, and I started to do 
the exact thing that I didn't want to do when my mom did. And so it was that weirdness that was going on, but all of a sudden I felt this, this overwhelming strength and edification and joy every time I prayed in the Spirit. And I started to go to the Scripture. I started to research. I started to study and realize that even the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament, this man, this mighty man of God, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. What a statement, more than you all. And then Jesus says in Mark 16, 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed. I believe, you believe, we, we all can agree that most of us believe in this place, that we will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, we won't go into the full thing, but it says to another, various kinds of unknown tongues and to another, an interpretation of tongues. He's breaking down the gifts of the spirits. And you and I know in order to be a thriving Christian, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but we need to also operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is talking about unknown, various unknown types of tongues. So in other words, we have our natural dialect, our language. We speak English. We might speak Spanish, but that's something that we were taught as we grow, as we grow up. Two, there's other tongues. So we, we see in the upper room that all of a sudden they, the, the, the fire of God comes upon them and they start speaking in other languages, in other dialects. But then there's also the heavenly language that we pray in the Spirit, our devotional, personal language. First, uh, it's, it's it says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 2. It says, pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal, yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. Earnestly means with sincere and intense conviction. When is the last time that you sincerely and with conviction went into a prayer closet with the Holy Spirit and said, I desire these gifts. My intellect may not understand it. I, I, I get offended maybe thinking about it because how I grew up and and the church background I came from, but God, I want to earnestly desire and cultivate these spiritual gifts in my life. Cultivate means to, to acquire and to develop these gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, the apostle Paul says, now I wish that all of you would speak in these tongues. Why, why is the, this great man of God saying, I wish all of you would speak in these tongues? Why? The benefits are phenomenal. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for one who speaks in unknown tongues does not speak to people but to God. You need to understand, when you pray in the Spirit, you have a supernatural direct pathway to pray to God Almighty. It is a supernatural thing. See, in the natural, it's easy to let your request be made known to God. It's, yep, yep, I got my menu. I know what's going on. My prayers, listen, my business, my prayer list, my family. I have all these requests. I lift it up to God. But the prayer language, this is what is powerful. This is when the Holy Spirit starts to pray through you, and it's a perfected, supernatural prayer. That I, can, I can request in English, but with His Spirit, He starts to request the true will of God in and through me. It is so exciting and so powerful that we, we are giving God this, this ability to work through us in this unknown request, this beautiful language. And on top of that, see, in the natural, think about it. If, see, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? So, but the devil isn't. His, his demons aren't. So say you're, in, say you're walking down the streets of Denver, and if, if you've felt some of the oppression in, in Denver, in downtown, right? And say, you know, there's definitely demons walking the streets. So if you're praying in the natural, those demons can hear what you're praying in the natural. They can go away and strategize how to combat what you just prayed for. 
But if you're praying in the Spirit, guess what? Demons flee like cowards because they don't understand what you're praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, you're lifting up a heavenly language that's praying to God in a perfect manner that you're establishing. And all of demons are running like cowards saying, I can't take this. This is too much. Come on, ask any witch. Ask anybody in the occult what they fear the most. They fear a believer praying in their heavenly language because we are empowering the angelic hosts. We're empowering all of heaven. We're empowering men, all the warring battalion angels on our behalf to fulfill the assignment and the will and the perfect purpose of God on this earth. My friend, if you want to be strong in spirit, open your heart. Open your heart. Go on this journey to desire, acquire, and cultivate this gift. Number two is the benefit is 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It goes on to say, for no one understands him or catches his meaning, but by the Spirit he speaks mysteries, secret truths, and hidden things. So in other words, all of a sudden now that you're, you're in this place of receiving divine downloads, revelation that goes deeper than what you're, what you're reading in the Word, the, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, Proverbs 25, 2. In the Passion it says, God conceals the revelation of his Word in the hiding place of his glory, but the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly Search out the deeper meaning of all that God has. It's powerful. Another benefit, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, one who speaks a tongue edifies himself, edifies himself. It's a spiritual upbuilding. It's a generating divine power in your life. Jude 20, it says building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is powerful because it is the only gift that the Holy Spirit does not activate. We activate. It's the only gift that's not for others. It's for you. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's incredible. With, it builds up this divine energy. When I'm weak, when I'm, when I'm broken, when I'm frustrated, when I'm driving and I, I don't have an answer for a situation at work, when, when things going on, my first instant, uh, my, my default is praying in the Spirit. I'll blast worship music and I'll just start praying in the Spirit. Thank God, you know, for, for wireless, uh, you know, headphones and all that stuff. Now you can pray in the car like you're a crazy wild animal and no one cares. They're like, man, he's on the phone and he's passionately speaking to someone, that's amazing. But man, I don't care. I'm just looking at the person next to me at the stoplight, and I'm just praying in the Spirit. Let me just tell you, spiritual maturity, if we try to acquire it, iron sharpens iron. Yes, we do need each other. But some days you don't have each other. Some days you don't have someone to shake you up, stir you up, fan the flame, stir up the gift inside of your life. Guess what? Praying in the Spirit draws you so much more sensitively to the Holy Spirit, and you begin to shake up your soul, shake up your spirit. Would you desire to cultivate that in your life? Amen. Number two is wholeness in your soul. Turn with me to Colossians 3, 1 to 4 in the Amplified. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above. That sounds like a kingdom habit. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. One thing that I've seen to cultivate a kingdom habit in my life that's keeping me into a place of wholeness and strength in my soul, in my mind, will, and emotions is biblical meditation. 
biblical meditation. Now, see, the world has distorted that term, meditation. We think of Eastern meditation, and that is about emptying your mind. It's dangerous because it opens you up to the demonic. Western meditation is intellectual in nature only. So you're in this place that it's the power of concentration. But God is saying, I want you to meditate on my word, and the word meditation broken down means to mutter, murmur, speak to yourself, speak scripture over and over and over. If you've ever seen a Jew at the wailing wall, a Jew at the wailing wall will murmur and mutter the same prayer over and over again in a swaying-like manner because it's a physical act of meditation, of prayer that they're in. You see, we meditate on three very distinct realities in the Word of God. One is the Word of God, two is the works of God, and three are the ways of God. And, two, and two, no, no one really can get to the ways of God unless you know the Word of God, and you know the works of God, and then all of a sudden you're introduced to the nature of God, the beautiful Father that He is throughout the, te- the New Testament, and see, throughout the entire Bible. See, God's ambition for you and me is not a, to pass a biblical quiz, But in other words, this place where his word becomes so entwined, written on the tablet of our heart, that uh, it's in our thinking, it's in our emotions, and now it's an expression. It's now in the psychology. It's in the, the very personality of who you and I are. That's why it's so important that we meditate on the word of God. So for example... This is how you meditate. Psalm 127. This is a, I love the Psalms. But, he, but, but God says this. He provides for his beloved even while he sleeps. What a beautiful promise. So say you have a financial crisis, that you're looking at a financial issue. And, and man, instead of going to bed worrying about it, instead of going, going I, I don't know, and you talk to everybody in, in, about it, and you just share the negative thoughts and feelings that you have, and all natural and all real, but it, biblical meditation says, hey, I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to rehearse before him. I'm going to recite back to him his word, his works, and his ways, his nature, and I'm going I'm to, in, in essence, I'm going to say this, God, you said in your word in Psalm 127, you promised that you would provide for your beloved. I am your beloved in Christ, and you will provide even while I sleep, even while I rest. I am the apple of your eye. I know I qualify this because you said I qualify for this, so I can bring this, this need up to your attention, and I give you praise because I've dedicated my life. I've dedicated my work. I've dedicated my family to you, and you promised that you will release provision to me while I rest you are gonna be hard at work and you go to bed you close your eyes you wake up the next morning and what the, what does the devil do the first thought you have is man that bill how am I in the fear the anxiety that comes out how am I gonna pay that bill how am I gonna get it by this month but then all of a sudden the second thought that follows is I am God's beloved and he is gonna provide for me and he's already provided something while I was resting in my sleep. You, you see, biblical meditation is powerful because the Bible says you, when you know the truth, you will be set free. That's when we have to know the truth and the truth will set us free. So in other words, when we know the truth and have the mind of Christ, it's like, man, there could be, a, a, there could be World War III going on around us, but the word of God has built this fortress around us and we're inside whining and dying and feasting and having an amazing time with friends and family, but the enemy is trying to come on us with, with an onslaught from every single side. And guess what? You could be at such a place of spiritual maturity that you don't even realize that the 
the enemy is attacking you, but the mind of Christ, the peace of God, is defending you even while you don't even realize it. Because you've taken the time to biblically meditate on his words and create a sense of insulation around you, the spiritual strength. I'm telling you, if you want to to see wholeness in your soul, launch into a direction, launch into a new season of biblically meditating on his word. It will transform your life. Amen. Awesome. We're about to introduce Dr. Zach Almy to come and share the last part of today's message. I declare wholeness in your spirit and soul and body. And Dr. Zach is an amazing, uh, incredible chiropractor. Can we? I know you don't want to share, but just share a little bit about your awesomeness. Thank you for that. You know, it's it's hard to step up here after just being filled with truth and. And being inspired like that. Um, yeah, for uh, better than 32 years now, I've been really helping people to understand what health and healing and wholeness looks like. And um, in fact, just a few months ago, I was teaching at a healing school at my office uh, about health. And so I went through the Bible and I was looking at all the different times that health was in the Bible. And I don't know if you guys know this, it was kind of an epiphany to me, but uh, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. And so I got into the old words that were converted into health, and uh, most of them came from the Hebrew or from the Greek or from the Aramaic. But there was a couple of words that stood out to me that really tie into this wholeness concept. One of them is a word you've probably heard before called shalom. And shalom is what we take and translate most of the time into peace. But here's what actually shalom means. It says health, prosperity, peace, favor, rest, wholeness. God created us to be whole. He doesn't want us to just be physically sound like Pastor Aaron was and spiritually and, and with his soul bankrupt. He wants us to be whole. Um, another word that stood out for health, it's translated to health several times, is one that you might have heard of as well, and it's the word Yeshua, Jesus. Here's what Jesus, Yeshua is translated into, is salvation, deliverance, victory, prosperity, health, help, welfare. So in that song we were singing earlier, where we're declaring the name of Jesus. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. That's his name. That's what it means. And it's all about wholeness. But here's where we get into problems, because the enemy is going to try to steal, kill, and destroy all of the good truths that God's given us, is we compartmentalize instead of go after wholeness, right? We, we've taken, we've actually given our, soul, our, our spirit to the responsibility of our clergy, right? It's Pastor Aaron and, and and it's Pastor Rick's responsibility to make sure that I'm spiritually healthy, right? And, and then with our soul, with our mind, our will, and emotions, it's, it's my shrink. It's my psychiatrist. It's my counselor. It's their responsibility to keep me healthy. And then with my physical health, it's my doctor. It's my, uh, my, maybe my trainer. Maybe my nutritionist. It's, it's our physicians. And so what happens is we basically give up what God has told us to steward. And he wants things to be whole. He wants us to be complete in that. And so we can't compartmentalize. We're meant to be whole. You know, Genesis 2-7, we go back to the beginning of the Bible, and it says, God created man from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became a living soul. Guess what? We got the body right there. It's, it's that, that dirt sculpture that God made out of dirt, that that's what we are. But we're nothing until he breathes the breath of life into us. That's what animates this dirt into becoming a, a living soul. And the word for breath of life is only used a couple times in the Bible. It's the word neshema. 
and it means breath, it means life, it means something that animates, but it also means wisdom or intelligence. So that life that's breathed into us is the intelligence that tells the dirt what to do. It animates the cells, and so it, it orchestrates the way that everything works together so that our heart and our liver and our lungs, everything works in orchestration. And it's the breath of life that does that. And we become living souls. And the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotion. That's actually how we express this life that's breathed into us. And I want to put the pieces together because they all work together. And it really starts with our thoughts. Do you guys realize that there's nothing that exists in this room that didn't start as an idea, didn't start as a thought? And a thought is an abstract thing, right? You can't just reach out and grab it. It's, it's, it's non-matter. But the thought that you're thinking right now is actually forming proteins inside your brain as you think it. It's going from non-matter to matter. Those proteins form together to make these little branches off of your neurons called dendrites. And these dendrites are branches that actually help the nerve system to communicate effectively. It carries and transmits signals from your brain to the rest of your body. And if we're thinking healthy thoughts, think about this, there's two kinds of thoughts we can have. We can have God thoughts, and we can have man thoughts. And the nature of our thoughts determines the type of protein that's established in our brain. So if we're thinking God thoughts, these are the things that Paul talks about in Philippians, things that are pure and noble and good and worthy of praise. He tells us to fix our minds on. These actually create healthy proteins when we're thinking. Those healthy proteins create healthy dendrites. So these branches off the neurons, they're vast and they're expansive and they stretch. So they connect these neurons really efficiently. So that information from our brain that's going to every cell in our body is going to be transmitted at, at quantum speeds. And that's important because right now, it's your brain that controls everything that goes on. It's actually processing your emotions. It's taking the vibrations of my voice and actually trying to make it into something that you can understand and process in your brain. It's telling your heart when to beat and your lungs how to breathe and your immune system how to work and how to wiggle your toes. It's doing all of these things right now. So we need good transmission. And when we have healthy proteins in our brain, the gray matter that surrounds those dendrites becomes healthy. We get healthy brain chemistry. And so now we've got a healthy brain, a healthy mind, a healthy body. It all works together. It starts with that thought. But on the flip side of that, we can have thoughts by man. These are the thoughts that are anxious, that are maybe comparison, that are maybe resentment, bitterness, anything that's going to be a negative emotion. It's a toxic thought. And guess what? Now this protein in our brain is toxic. It's completely different in structure than the healthy protein. And so what happens is these dendrites that form, they become kind of gnarly. They're all bent in their shape. They don't stretch out far. And so now the nerve communication is actually compromised. So we don't get clear communication from the brain to the rest of the body. It's kind of like when we have sin in our life and we're not able to clearly hear Jesus, who's the head of the church, and it affects our overall health. So we've got to make sure that, that we take and we, we take captive every thought into obedience in Christ Jesus, right? We have the choice. Whenever a thought comes along, we can choose to actually take and embrace it or to dismiss it with some, and replace it with something else. Now here's the problem. If those proteins are toxic the surrounding gray matter and the chemistry in it becomes toxic as well. So now we have chemical imbalance in our brain. And from a psychologist or a psychiatric perspective, that's the cause of mental illness. But guess what? That's actually just a symptom of bad thinking. 
And so if we take a look at, at Paul in Philippians 4, he says, don't be anxious about anything. That's a man thought. Don't have that. But in everything with prayer and supplication. That means let God know that you got stuff going on. It's not pretending that everything is rosy. It's saying, here's what I've got that I'm dealing with. Here's what's trying to occupy my mind. But I'm going to lay it before you with thanksgiving. Why? Why is that so important? Well, guess what psychologists know? That you actually can't process anxiety and gratitude at the same time. Your brain's not capable of that. So you can take and exchange the negative thought with a positive one. And then guess what happens? The peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace is a shalom. That's the wholeness. That's the completion. That's the healing, the deliverance that shows up. It guards your heart and it guards your mind in Christ Jesus. Several years ago, I came across a study from the University of California at Berkeley, and it said that gratitude literally changes your heart health and the molecular structure of your brain. Think about this. If you go to gratitude, your heart actually goes from a place of fight, and flight, fight or flight to a place of healing and repair and reproduction, productivity. And so if we go to gratitude, we actually start creating health in our heart. If we go to gratitude, we get those negative proteins to be replaced with healthy proteins and our brain chemistry changes and we actually transform our brain. Paul told us this 2,000 years ago. If we exchange that anxious thought with gratitude, we transform the way that we work. And guess what? That thought, it's affecting every cell, every tissue, every organ in your body right now. So you can choose. Do I want to be more healthy? Do I want to create lifestyle habits that are going to take me closer to health? Or do I want to take some that are going to take me closer to sickness and disease and not being fully alive? Now, here's where it comes from a physical perspective because it all ties together. The, what you put into your body affects everything about how your body functions, including how your brain works. You guys realize that sugar goes to the same centers in your brain as opiates, as cocaine and heroin. And so you take a look at the standard American diet that's loaded with processed sugars that we're all addicted to. And it's a drug that affects the way that we think. And it creates toxicity in our brain. It creates inflammation in our body. Chronic inflammation in our body is the cause of all forms of sickness and disease. So just like the thought that you think can take you toward health or toward sickness and disease, what we put into our mouth can do the same thing. And sometimes we get confused by, by nutrition and we make it too complicated because that's what the world likes to do to us. But it really is simple. You know, just as there's thoughts by God, thoughts by man, there's food by God and there's food by man. God food is the food that exists the way it is in nature that's filled with nutrients. It's alive. It actually feeds us so that our body can reproduce and heal and repair, do the things it's supposed to do so that we can be fully alive. Food by man is what's been altered. We synthesize it. We make it into labs. We pull stuff out of it so, so it can stay on shelves for, for years. We put stuff into it that's not natural, and it, our body doesn't know what to do with it, and it becomes toxic, causes inflammation, causes disease. You know, I'll throw this out there too, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, my wife is a preacher's kid. So she grew up in a church. Um, 
she, when we got married, she had actually never cooked a meal in her life. But she could make every dessert known to mankind. Because there's, there's actually one other kind of food, and it's the worst food of all, which is church food. Right? And so here's, here's where this becomes, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but no, not really. Years ago, I came across a quote by St. Irenaeus, and it said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that convicted me, especially working in healthcare. Because if we really are the pinnacle of God's creation, right, when he created everything else, he says it is good. When he created us in his image, man and woman, he said it is very good. He didn't leave anything out. He made us whole. But how many people look at us because of how we're fully alive and see the glory of God. And, and I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that in a way that's convicted my own heart. And it comes from a place of compassion. I hope you guys take it that way. You know, I was mentioning earlier is that you know, if I were to rush into uh, Pastor Aaron's house in the middle of the night while he's dead asleep and just bust through the door and grab him out of bed and haul him out into the street, that wouldn't be a very nice thing to do unless his house was on fire. And that's what compassion is. Compassion is an urgent rush to save. And so when we look at our world right now, the world is desperate for Christians to rise up with compassion to desperately rush to save. And it happens when we learn to steward our lifestyle so that we exercise our spirit by taking and praying in tongues. That we take and we feed our spirit and our mind by meditating His Word. And by feeding our bodies the thing that God created us to do. That's when we become fully alive. That's when we can express who He wants us to be so that the world can look inside the doors at City Point and say, there's something different in there. They're resonating at a higher level. They're expressing life at a different place. I want to be part of that. And so as we take this series on healthy relationships, recognize it's, it's integrated. It's holistic. It's God's plan is for us to be complete and whole in everything. Back to you, Pastor Aaron. Come on, give it up for Zach Almy. I was just thinking as he's talking, I'm like, the creative team have a bunch of donuts in the green room. Church food. Yeah. Everybody look at the screen. Say it with me. I declare I am whole spirit, soul, and body. One more time. I declare I am whole spirit, soul, and body. We get a moment together where the Holy Spirit can plant a seed. It's up to you to actively participate with that seed, to water it this week, to go back to the scriptures, go back to the word, go back to what the word of God says. And, and hey, these are just a few kingdom habits that God has asked. There may be some, some other ones that you know, God is really highlighting you for, to, for you to say, hey, I need to get involved with a life group. We're about to launch summer life groups. I need to be discipled and I need to start to learn how to be a disciple. These are kingdom habits that we can lock in to see God really do a deeper, awesome, awesome work inside of our hearts. Amen? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this house, Lord, for the, the beautiful thing that you're doing in this community. And you truly are ushering us into a journey of wholeness because we know that the world will look upon us and the love that we have for one another will be a testament will reveal the glory of God. 
And God, we want to do healthy relationships right, and it starts with us. Lord, allowing us and examining us, you know, what, what are those certain areas of my life that I'm truly just, man, maybe I have compromised just with this, this habitual sin and just keep going back to it, keep going back to it. Maybe I have this, this, this mindset that keeps dragging me down that I just can't forgive that person, that I just need today to make a decision to forgive and start to replace that, that trauma with gratefulness of what you've done. Or maybe it is going to a greater depth of spiritual maturity and, and unpacking the gifts of the Spirit to say, God, you know, is, is, is praying in tongues, is this real, is this true? Is this gift for me? I'm not going to shame myself because I haven't received it yet. I'm just going to keep curious and humble and, and wanting and desiring. Or maybe it's, God, it's time. I, it's time. I need, to, I need to get a relationship with the Word of God. I need to be able to take the Word of God and His promises, study it, meditate on it. Lord, allow it to shape and become a, 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 a cellular level of who I am so that I can truly, truly see wholeness and stop surviving this Christian walk, but start thriving, moving into a place that you've declared over us, that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors, that we can do all things through you in Jesus' name. So Lord, we, we bless this house. Lord, you've, you've commanded us, but you've enabled us. You've anointed us. We can do this. We will do this. And we will move into a new season of wholeness in Jesus' mighty name. Every eye looking at me as we close the service. I want to throw out the net online. We're speaking to you just as much as in this room. Let me ask you this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Maybe you've come with a friend, a family member. Uh, maybe this is a different type of church, a little bit loud and crazy. Japanese Jesus on the stage. My daughter looks at me at the dinner table the other day and she goes, geez, you really are Japanese Jesus, aren't you? Hey, it's who God created me. But he's knocking on the door of your heart. And we don't want you to leave here without you solving the greatest issue, your separation between you and God. We want you to feel and taste what it feels like to be saved, to receive the gift of salvation. How does it happen? That we, that we come to a place, the Bible says, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's not just about confession. It's about, God, I repent, which means it's a conviction. It's a holy sorrow. It's a sense of, con God, I I'm so sorry for living a disobedient life. I'm so sorry for just constantly going back to the ways of this world, but I want to be obedient to you. I want to follow you. I want to receive and be baptized in the Father's love. I want to, I want to, I want to receive what this, this gift of salvation. My friend, it was, it, it, we, we would look at the cross and we say, come on, I believe what Jesus did. He died for my sin and my shame. And then three days later, Jesus rose again, resurrected defeated death and defeated sin. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. On the count of three, online in this room, if that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, just say, yes, Pastor Aaron, please pray with me right here and right now. One, two, three. That's you today. From the front to the back, left to the right, we want to make sure everybody in this room, I know your heart might be tugging. You might be saying, hey, I gave my heart to Jesus years ago, but today I want to recommit. Or maybe this is the first time you're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus.
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Father, for every room, everyone in this room. And we thank you, Lord, that you will use us in a greater way to continue to reach those and engage those in our world and invite them to come into an atmosphere where they hear the good news and the gospel prayed in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, God bless church. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise.